2: everybody welcome to profoundly pointless my name is nick coming up in this episode we're going to talk about the future of esports and fighting games and then we're going to look at what are the top five days of the week i know there's only seven of them but it was actually surprisingly hard to narrow that
0: down if i'm like 80 years old and i'm on my deathbed and i think to myself i never gave this a shot like i don't know if i would have ever felt properly fulfilled there's all this ability to create something unique and different we don't have to follow the footsteps of sports
2: because i think for any female listeners we have you can never tell your significant other that he can't pick something up because he's gonna (laughs) like oh bullshit i can't pick that up that's the fastest way to get that thing broken
1: all sunday is a countdown till monday
2: I want to thank you guys so much for joining us. If you get a chance, like, download, subscribe, share. We really appreciate it. It really helps us out. If you've been listening to this podcast for a little while, you know that we really like to talk to people who took the more dangerous path, who had this future that was laid out for them and they could have just stayed in that lane, but instead they did something different and pursued the thing that they really wanted to do. Our first guest did that when it comes to video games. This is eSports commentator James Chen. And I think that not only is his story inspirational and motivational in terms of going out there and doing the stuff that you really want to do, but I also think that he has some fascinating insight into where eSports is headed, why fighting games are so challenging, and what the future of all of that is really going to look like. Before we get to him, though, I, I have to apologize. We kind of messed up some of the audio at the end. We had this idea that is a perfect example. We were trying to test his video game knowledge, but it's a perfect example of a good idea poorly executed. This is James Chen. So what was the first video game you really remember playing?
0: The first video game I ever played... I mean, I'm an old man, okay? So, <laughs> yeah, I do remember the actual first video game I ever played, which was a game called Starhawk, which is one of the first vector graphic games in the arcade based off of the Star Wars Trench run. And you, li- you couldn't die. It was a timer game. You just basically shot at things that were on the screen and... And that was it. And it just lasted a certain amount of time and it ended. And I was about like maybe four years old or something like that when I played it.
2: Were you able, did you beat it?
0: There was really no, nothing to beat. Arcade games back then, they just kind of went forever. And so, uh, you just basically tried to get a high score in a certain amount of time. And after the time ran out, game was over. That was all, that's all it was. <laughs> a very simple game.
2: Was that what got you hooked, or was there something later that you could like point to and say, that's what did it?
0: uh the game that probably actually got me hooked on video games the most the first game i can remember kind of being obsessed with was dig dug and uh that game was it was just so unique at the time because you know a lot of games you play you use the spaceship you shot at things like galaxians and stuff like that but dig dug you ran around underground and killed monsters with a pump i mean it was just like the most random game and it just it it was colorful it was cartoony and so you know it just really got my me and my older brother actually that was the game that we basically spent a lot of time playing
2: obviously video games have changed a lot since then do you think that they still have that kind of do you miss that older magic or do you think that that magic is still there
0: uh i mean i can talk about this for hours but i definitely think there's some magic missing in a lot of video games um right now it feels like it's the independent scene that's really kind of tapping into that but you know one of the things that like i said one of the reasons why dig dug was so fascinating to me is because you know you're killing monsters with a pump and it's just it was so unique and different and it was a gimmick of the game a lot of video games back then always had the gimmick like another game that i played mappy was all about the, the trampoline system and and elevator action another game i played was all about like the elevators and all the stuff like that and there was a lot of creativity and i think a lot of video games these days focus too much on on trying to be realistic they try to f- focus on immersion they try to focus too much on stories and stuff i mean my favorite video game of all time is tetris and there's definitely no story there at all whatsoever. You know, I just I, I enjoy games with just a cool concept and just, you know, games are meant to be Unique and have like this nice little gimmick hook kind of thing. And, you know, a lot of games out there these days are so focused on, you know, like, for example, like the Uncharted games. I know a lot of people love Uncharted and I'm going to make a bunch of people mad. And I can say that I'm not the biggest fan of those games because, you know, for me, it's the, you know, it's more about just the story. There's just, there's so much more about. Uh, games and stories, which isn't to say that story games aren't great. Silent Hill Two is one of my favorite video games of all time because of the story, but still, it shouldn't be like the main focus. There should be a lot of other things that that go into the game.
2: W- within the industry, though, are you kind of the the old man shouting at the cloud with that opinion, or do you feel like more people are more people are like you?
0: Oh, I'm definitely the old man. <laughs> <laughs> shouting at the cloud right now. I'm definitely uh, of that style. Although there's definitely a group of people out there who you know who see it similarly, and you know I feel like like I said the indie crowd kind of fills that up a little bit because you'll see you'll see it a lot in these indie games. They come up with something you know pretty unique, and they and and because the budget, the, the interesting thing about the video game industry is uh, you know the the middle sized game production is gone it's interesting because like you either have the triple a titles or you have the indie kind of games right it's hard to find something in the middle ground anymore whereas back in you know like in the super nintendo days you would just get these random games that were not independent they weren't triple a but they were just really amazing games you know one of the ones that i always like to uh you know, give an example of was Lost Vikings on the Super Nintendo, which was made by then unknown Blizzard, you know, <laughs> and it wasn't like like I said, it wasn't a triple A title. It wasn't like a really budget kind of indie game. It was that middle ground where it was like it could compete with the triple A's, you know, but it wasn't just a triple A title. But I feel like that's gone these days and, and it's one of the things that I I, I personally lament
2: but you kind of specialize in fighting games. What is it about fighting games, though? Or is that just kind of the avenue that you pursued? Or is there something that you really like about them?
0: Um, you know, fighting games for me, the, the thing that I enjoyed about fighting games is the competitive aspect of it. The one-on-one competitive aspect. And in fact, you know, the the first popular, actually the very first video game ever made was a game called um, oh, Space War, right? And then Pong. And both of those were competitive games. Like I feel like there's something about video games that has a competitive background to it. And, you know, a game like Street Fighter 2 really popularized it and did it in a way where the talent, the skill and the actual like mental fortitude really was key. Right. It wasn't. Based on luck. It wasn't based on any random elements, you know, or, you know, that we knew about at the time. You know, it was a true test of talent. And, you know, the more I played it and the better I got at it, the more I started appreciating that skill. And then as it grew throughout the years, you start meeting all these players who their talent is just amazing. It's just, it's to the point where these guys, once you understand the game and you see these guys play against each other, you can see the decisions that they're making and how quickly they're making it and how much they can fight against their own natural human instincts to, to react to things incorrectly and stuff. And it's, it's so like impressive to me. That's kind of what drew me to fighting games and One of the things that drove me to trying to promote fighting games and you know write articles and FAQs and do commentary and do all these things like that is the fact that I I just want other people to appreciate how amazing it is. You know, fighting games has have this weird stigma by some people that they're just button mashing. You just hit a bunch of buttons and stuff happens, and there's no real like talent and skill. It's weird because the best fighting game players know that it's about when not to hit buttons that are like some of the most important things in fighting games. And, you know, when you watch a highlight on ESPN, you know, you see LeBron like dribble down the court and just jump up in the air and slam the ball and, you know, you don't even have to know basketball and you're like, okay, he's athletic, that's talented, right? Like he did something that's talented. Yet for the average person, if you show them fighting game stuff, they're not necessarily aware Of what kind of talent it takes to play those games and you know for me it would be a dream if you could have like a sports center just show something in fighting games that everyone just naturally assumes what happened there was was wonderful it's one of the reasons why the very very famous uh daigo perry uh quote evo moment 37 video is so good is because when daigo starts doing the perry the audience goes nuts And the audience is a cue to even people who don't understand video games, who don't understand fighting games, that something wild is happening. They may not know the amount of skill that it took to do what he did, but the reaction from the audience was all they needed to understand it. And that's like kind of the goal, you know, in my mind, is to just get it to a point where when people watch fighting games – and they see highlights, they just automatically assume, like, yes, this guy is extremely talented, and yes, this guy has crazy, crazy skill, because honestly, that's the truth, in my opinion.
2: Do you think that esports, in general, and fighting games as well, can ever get to that point, though, right? Because I do kind of feel, I'm a news broadcaster by day, so to speak, I hate the way that I just said that, but... (laughs) <laughs> you get, you get the point of what I'm talking about. I feel like somewhere in some ways that eSports is like soccer where it's been the next big thing for the last 10 years, but it's still not the big thing yet. Do you think it will ever get to that point?
0: Um, I, you know, a lot of people talk about eSports as like, Oh, it's the big, the next big thing. It's going to overtake sports and da, 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 and all this stuff like that. And I, I don't see it. Like, it may be get as big, but I don't think it's ever going to take over. And even if it does, it's, it's apples to oranges. It's not you know the whole comparison of esports to sports is something that i'm not a fan of i even hate the word esports personally i I despise that word because it's a it's not even a description of our pastime it's literally a marketing word right it's like let's try to associate it with sports to give people the idea that that's what they're watching it's like no it's a completely its its own thing it's its own thing we can make up our own the beautiful thing about esports is that we're all making it up as we go we can decide to do with it what we want by associating it with sports so directly that means now all of a sudden we're trying to do everything in a way that might be either a archaic or b not appropriate for a completely different medium you know so to me it's it's i'm not even as worried about it trying to get as big as sports or whatever i just want it to grow and for me you know people tout esports as like this crazy like here's the next big thing it's going to blow up it's going to blow up i'm a fan of slow and steady wins the race if it takes longer than i'm alive for esports to get that big i'd be happier because that means that esports has a real foundation and it grew on its own and it's not just something that a bunch of venture capitalists came in and tried to prop up and invest in and stuff like that because like i said i'm more interested in in the gaming world making up their own rules and figuring out how we want to do things you know you you see stuff like the overwatch league and stuff and they're trying to do this franchising thing they're trying to turn it into like the nba with these teams these you know like here's the dallas this here's the los angeles this here's the and i i don't i just don't see what the appeal of that is you know the whole point of video games is that we can play them from anywhere and everywhere. And, you know, we can play them internationally against each other that, you know, there's all this ability to create something unique and different. We don't have to follow the footsteps of sports and yet that's kind of the path we're taking. And in the end, I think that's actually going to hurt us in the long run. So, you know, I'm kind of hoping that we get to the point where, people who are in, who are trying to make this thing grow really start to understand that and go you know what let's let's do this differently let's do it our way let's do it in a way that makes sense for a digital medium if we do that then we have the potential to become huge. And again, I don't care if we're bigger than athletic sports or whatever, or a sports, if you want to call it. (laughs) But um, um, like, you know, I don't care about that. I just want to see this grow to something that's big, that's accepted, that's just part of popular culture. You know, that when you say, hey, we play video games professionally, no one goes, oh, that's interesting. That's odd, right? Because if someone said, I play basketball professionally, they'd be like, that's cool. And that's kind of, you know, the goal. It's
2: interesting you were talking about the Overwatch stuff from as a complete outsider. Like, I looked at that as they're dividing it into teams. The way that mass media has necessarily approached it, that didn't really make sense to me. Because it seems like if you don't get it, that's not going to make you interested in it. And if you do get it, that's a turnoff. <laughs>
0: Yeah. And and again, you know, that that kind of goes right back into the whole word esports thing, right? It's just like I don't know, the, it's it's all it's like you're trying to appeal to an audience that probably isn't interested into you in the first place, right? Look at the movies right now. It's all comic book movies, right? It's all superhero stuff, you know? Dragon Ball is, like, super popular everywhere you go. Like, nerd culture kind of dominates a lot of pop culture now so that if you're trying to make eSports a big thing, you don't have to try to appeal to people outside The circle. You make good comic book movies and now everybody loves comic book movies. So if you make esports just as good of a product as possible for the people who already enjoy esports, that will be a better way to get to the mass audience than trying to say, we're e-sports, see, we're sports. And look, we have teams and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Like We're trying to appeal to a group that's not genuine to ourselves. How did, how did you
2: get into the commentary aspect of it?
0: You know, one of the things that always fascinated me a lot about fighting games was all the technical stuff in there, the systems, the, the rules by which the games abide by. And uh, one of the things that I was really good at um, was being able to understand, you know, a, a person who wants to get into fighting games uh, to talk to them in a language that they understood. You know, like one of the one of my oldest jokes of all time is like the worst college professors you can have are the smartest ones because. They can't understand why you don't understand something, right? I mean, to bring it back to sports, it's like when Wayne Gretzky or Larry Bird or Magic Johnson were coaches, like how – it's hard for them to coach people because the other people aren't going to put in the same effort they did. (laughs) But that's just because of that. So it's like for them, it's like, I don't understand. How can you not be doing yeah. what I did? You know, and it's one of those kind of tough situations. And so my one of my biggest strengths was that I was able to understand and grasp that. And I sat down and um, there used to be a website. It's still there called GameFacts.com F-A-Q-S, you know, Frequently Asked Questions, and it, it morphed into something way beyond Frequently Asked Questions, and was just more of like, here's a giant document that just describes to you how to play a game, or how the game works and I got well known for writing a lot of FAQs for fighting games a lot of detailed systems, explaining why things work, how things work, and that expanded into uh, articles that I used to write for like a website called Shorukin.com. I used to make tutorial videos. I would just edit videos together and explain systems and stuff like that. And so when the streaming age started up, uh, I was hanging out at a local gathering that was literally in somebody's garage uh, every Wednesday of the week, every Wednesday night. And one of the people there was like, "Hey, I want to start streaming this on the internet on this website called Justin TV." And you know, so they started streaming it on on these sites. And you know, commentary for video games had just started becoming a thing. And uh, the guy who was running, you know, running a lot of the sessions there was like, "We need a commentator." And he looked at me and was like, "James, you jump on there because you're good at explaining things." And I was mm-hmm. like okay. And I'm <laughs> there. And you know, I had heard other commentary. And I thought that commentary was bad. And so I'm one of those people that like, I'm not gonna be like, Oh, they suck. And then never try it myself. Because then it's easy to just to be a backseat, you know, critic. And so I was like, Alright, I think they're not good. So let me try it and see how easy it is. And it was hard. <laughs> it's really hard. and uh, But the thing about it is, I enjoyed it. I found out that I really liked it, and I really was good at, like I said, explaining those kind of things, you know. And today, even today, there's a lot of commentators out there in the fighting game world who are very much more technical than I am, and they they know all the the the, the, the details and, and and numbers and systems and all that stuff better than I do. But I still, you know understand the emotion of the game i still understand the 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 feeling that players have when they're playing i focus a lot on you know telling the human aspect of the story because i feel like that's so important really any competition is not going to get popular if you don't have heroes you know espn when they first started making poker popular on tv it was when they started focusing on doing little bio pieces about the players they're like okay we're gonna pick Phil Ivey we're gonna pick Daniel Negreanu we're gonna pick uh you know Phil Helmuth we're gonna turn them into the celebrities of the poker world we're gonna do these little pieces on them and then that kind of gave people heroes and stuff and so you know for me you know, one of the, my goals as a commentator to appeal to as many people as possible is to really kind of tell that human story. And I have a, I feel like I have an ability to explain that kind of brain process, you know, in a way that a lot of other people couldn't. And so it just kind of stemmed from that whole, I want to educate people. Seriously, like I gush when I talk about like some of the top players, how much I just, I, I sit in admiration of those guys and how amazing, like, I wish I, if I could be that player, I would give up commentary to be that player any day of the week because that's just, I, I want to be that good, but I was just never able to quite achieve that. So I'll stick to commentary instead.
2: <laughs> what makes them better at it than you necessarily? Like, do they just have faster reflexes? They think faster. They know more about the game. Like what makes them better than other people?
0: The thing that makes you the best at fighting games really is an understanding of human psychology, right? Because in almost every situation when you play a fighting game, there is the right choice to make, right? You're in a situation you should defend. You're in a situation you should attack. But – a properly made fighting game always has monkey wrenches to throw into every one of these situations. So in this case, you know, you should defend, but you can do this instead and blow that option up. It's risky, but you can do it, right? And so what happens is fighting games really are just this super, super fast-paced, like, mind game. It's like, imagine playing rock, paper, scissors, except with, instead of three options, you have... 29 20 let's just say for argument's sake 26 options there's so many decisions to be made and so oftentimes you count on people reacting certain ways you can read when you surprise your opponent in gameplay and as soon as you know you surprise them that means they're in a state where they're unexpecting their the situation is unexpected which means that takes them a few seconds, maybe even milliseconds longer to gather what's going on, which means you can take advantage of that small, tiny little uh, uh, drop in, in awareness. And completely dominate them for that kind of thing. It's, it's like you're telling stories, but you're trying to get them to guess what the ending is and you're lying to them the entire time. And that's where fighting games are fascinating. You know, there, a lot of people see it as like, Oh, it's reactions or it's, Oh, it's how to use the controller. But everything in fighting games is so cerebral. It's really just about at this distance from my opponent, I have an advantage. So he's going to try to move out of that range. And then he's going to have an advantage. So I want to fight to get back into that range so I can have access to these moves. But he knows I want to do that, so he's going to do this. But I know he knows. And then he knows that I know that he knows, et cetera, yeah. et cetera, That's where the majority of the fighting game talent comes in is just being able to read people and, and really, really taking advantage of what you see from natural human reactions
2: are they making a lot of the fighting games, are they making it for the average consumer or are they making it more for these competition purposes?
0: Uh, It's it's a tough situation right now because uh, currently in this day and age, fighting games are being made a little bit more for mass consumerism. They're definitely gearing towards trying to be simpler, trying to be less complex, trying to take away some of the things like learning how to do a quarter circle forward plus button motion and... You know, making the characters play very similarly across the cast and stuff like that. There's a lot of that, but, you know, the top players are always going to pull out the craziness from the game and really focus it on some, you know, really high level stuff. But there is generally a slight degradation, I guess, in, in like complexity in the fighting games. If, if you ask me what was more complex, you know, Dragon Ball Fighters today, or MV, Marvel vs. Capcom 2 back in the day. You know, Marvel vs. Capcom 2 is by far a more complicated game. That isn't to say that that's all we're seeing, because interestingly enough, one of the most complicated fighting games, which is Tekken, Tekken 7 right now, is probably the hardest fighting game to get into right now, is also one of the most popular fighting games right now. There's the concept of barrier of entry, and then there's also the concept of skill-sealing, The problem is a lot of people consider them tied to each other. If you lower that barrier of entry, you also have to lower the skill ceiling. But that's not necessarily true. They're separate. They're they're exclusive from each other. You can lower the barrier of entry and still raise the skill ceiling. And to me, one of the biggest examples of that is Smash Brothers, right? It's such an easy game to get into. There's nothing complex about doing a lot of the moves. It's just B, up B, down B, side B, etc., cetera, etc., cetera. But at the highest levels, all of a sudden you start learning all these crazy techniques, shield dropping, being able to jump and still do a back air while jumping forward. I mean, I'm throwing out all these technical terms on purpose because, you know, that's how it gets, right? So even though the barrier of entry is easy, the skill ceiling is still pretty high, not as high as it was back in melee. So there's still a little bit of a, you know, trying to lower the skill ceiling a little bit. That has a great appeal and something, and is a reason why a lot of these old games like Marvel vs. Capcom 2, NBC2, or Super Turbo, uh, which we call ST, you know, those games, even though they're 15, 20 years old, people still love them today. Because there is that level of complexity to them that people just gravitate towards.
2: Can you, are you, is your full-time living off of commentating?
0: Currently, it is. I got laid off from a programming job like about three years ago, uh, and then I said, "You know what? To hell with it. Let's try giving this a chance." Um, it's not lucrative. I've been living off of my savings mostly for the past three years. Fortunately, my job—I uh, I saved a lot of money. Uh, but you know, obviously, I can't do this forever. At some point in time, I either have to fi- figure something else or or something. Uh, so it's a little bit rough, but. Again, it's something I'm so passionate about. If, if I'm like 80 years old and I'm on my deathbed and I think to myself, I never gave this a shot, like I don't know if I would have ever felt properly fulfilled. One aspect, the personal aspect, I've got to travel, I've got to meet so many people, I've got to witness so many great moments and see so many players overcome odds. I've seen a lot of great, you know, heroic stories. I've seen a lot of tragic, you know, drama here and there. And it's just something that I don't feel like, you know, I, I'm i so happy that I've been able to experience a lot of that. And then on the, you know, on the giving side of things, you know, I feel like, as a voice I definitely connect with a certain subset of the audience in a way that a lot of other people don't for me to give it my all to try to get people to enjoy fighting games to try to get as many people enjoying it as possible and I don't even necessarily mean like outsiders like people who like sports I just mean other people who like video games who may not have realized how wonderful fighting games are and then they come and watch something like evolution which is the biggest fighting game tournament of the of the in the world you know if they watch that and they hear me and they can detect the passion that i have and 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 my admiration for the players and talk about why something they did was so great and it gets them hooked then i feel like i've done my best to help the fighting game community grow as much as possible. And that's just something that I don't think I could live with myself if I didn't actually take a few years and really give it my all. And that's kind of what I'm going through right now. Some people may call it a midlife crisis, but I I, I wouldn't tell them that they're wrong.
2: (laughs) Are you ready for the hard questions? Best fighting game of all time
0: best fighting game of all time for me is still Super Street Fighter 2 Turbo. I mentioned it a little bit earlier, Super Turbo. Uh, it's just, it's one of the games that I put most of my time into and uh you know it's an old school game there's a lot of like I mean it's funny too because when you look at it it's not balanced there's got a it's got a lot of flaws in it but god the, the nostalgia and there's just something about the way that game feels that every time I do anything in that game I, I I feel like a boss you know like when I when I successfully predict something or when I successfully counter something it's just like god i'm a genius you know it's just just one of those things who i am as a fighting game fan is defined by that game so super turbo to this day is still my favorite fighting game even after all this it's like 20 years old and even after this top all this time it's still my favorite
2: worst major fighting game the one that you're just like i don't get this
0: oh man you're gonna do this to me
2: And worst uh, worst I mean, is a I'm relative talk- term. It's relative compared to the other ones.
0: Right. Like, are you to- to- talking about, like, games that are, uh, that were released, like, in the past five,
2: six years? Or are you just talking about, like, currently played? You tell me, I guess. Okay,
0: because okay. <laughs> if it was, like, maybe, like, the last pi- past five or six years or something like that, I would say Street Fighter Cross Tekken. I was not a fan of that game at all. I I didn't like how the game came together. Uh, You could just tell there was a lot of bad ideas with it. It did get a major patch, an update, where they changed a lot of the game. And it did improve the game, but by that point it was too late for me. I I was already so disenamored. Is that a word? Unenamored? I'm not sure. I was just so not enamored with the game. And I still don't like a lot of how the game played.
2: Is there a fighting game that in the competitive scene that like the cool guys play necessarily? Like, all right, that's great that you play this game, but this is where the real competition is. Is there one that stands out?
0: Uh, right now, I mean, it's weird because it probably is the most popular game, which is Street Fighter, which slowly by slowly is not becoming the case. Because Tekken, like I said, is actually starting to surpass Street Fighter in popularity, if it hasn't already. In fact, a lot of people might tell you that it already has. Um, but Street Fighter V still has the largest breadth of strong players you know the the list of players that can win a tournament is probably the the largest in that game to the point where even somebody like sonic fox who is clearly like the best fighting game player of of this current generation of right now like if you told me pick the best fighting game player right now i would pick sonic fox he would be on the short list of maybe two or three names He doesn't really play Street Fighter, and that's enough to make some people doubt his skill, which is baffling to me because, like I said, he is so incredibly talented. If he played Street Fighter, he would destroy everybody if he dedicated his time. But just because he doesn't really play it, there's enough people out there who can say no he can't be called de facto the best because he's not playing Street Fighter. And that's just because there are so many strong players playing Street Fighter. I mean, you got guys like Punk and Tokido and, you know, Kazunoko and all, just everybody. Like, I could go on forever. And name all these strong players. Bonechan, for example, another super popular player. Daigo plays Street Fighter. Justin Wong plays Street Fighter. You know, all these super popular guys.
2: Best fighting game character of all time.
0: My favorite character became Cammy just because... Um, basically went to war with her in Super Turbo because, like I said, she was terrible and I spent all my time trying to make her work in that game. So for me personally, my favorite is Cammy. Another one would probably be like Zangief. But if you wanted to talk about best fighting game character of all time, like if you take my own personal kind of take out of it, I would probably just say Ryu from Street Fighter Yeah, because he – It's not even just that he's iconic and that he epitomizes, even lore-wise, even his background story, all he wants to do is just find the strongest opponent and be the strongest he can be. That symbolizes a lot of what fighting game is about. But it's also just his character design. The design of Ryu, the uppercut that he has, the Shoryuken, being a completely invincible but very high-risk move to throw out as the ultimate monkey wrench. And then also to have the Hadoken, which is the fireball, the projectile that he throws across the screen, the little energy wave. That those two moves shaped so much of what fighting games are today. And not only that, but it's just such a strong fundamental design that makes it so that the remember how I said earlier that different distances. Can create advantages in certain matchups, right? Like if you're at like two bodies away, character B has an advantage. But if you take a step forward, now character A has an advantage. And one of the reasons for that is the projectile, is the fact that there is this concept of people throwing basically energy at each other across the screen. And that defines so much of what fighting games are about that created because if if you gotta imagine, if that didn't exist most characters would be fighting at a very close distance. There wouldn't be a full screen kind of combat. But because of that concept, there's fight, there's so much strategy at every range. So much of what is fighting games came from this very, very simple design of a person who throws projectiles, gets you to jump at him so he can uppercut you out of the air with his invincible move. And it's just made like it, just helped make fighting games what they are today.
2: Okay, this may work, this may not. I'm going to test your fighting game knowledge. Some of these might be pretty easy, some of these might be really hard, but if you recognize the game or character, ready?
0: Well, that's for you, I'm Hadouken. Blanca from Street Fighter Two.
2: <laughs> okay, these are going to get harder now. So the Mortal Kombat part is right. Do you want to hear it again, or do you think you can, or you think it's over for you?
0: Play it one more time. Oh, that's probably like Raiden or somebody.
2: <laughs> so it's actually the Spanish version of Mortal Kombat. He says A Adar Uma Batata," which. <laughs> Which okay. doesn't translate very well, but actually means, I have your sweet potato. I'm not entirely... But it doesn't say which character it was. I just found it online. <laughs> so I was trying to figure out if you knew who it was. But it translates oh as, God. I have your sweet potato.
0: Yeah, I just know that Mortal Kombat has a lot of that. You know, that stuff, so...
2: <laughs> okay, I got a couple more. Stop it my life! Stop it my
0: butt. I feel like I've heard this before, but I... Nothing comes to my mind right now.
2: It's, it's oh no, my leg! I probably you should have done a better it, job of researching this.
0: Is this also Mortal Kombat as well?
2: It's definitely Mortal Kombat. This one might be tough, or you might get it right away. Oh,
0: that's so non-specific.
2: <laughs> if you want a hint, I bet if you get a hint, you can probably get really close.
0: Sure. What's the hint? Tekken. <laughs> uh Jen doing electric wind godfist? is that an old school doria
2: <laughs> it's paul
0: oh it's the it's the it's the punch right
2: yeah okay two more oh this one's too easy
0: <laughs> oh yeah that's that's scorpion okay okay that's an easy
2: one okay you up for two more kind of hard ones
0: sure let's do it <laughs> That sounds like it's from an anime game.
2: <laughs> it's uh, it's Smash Brothers.
0: Oh, is that? That's not. That's could be Kirby, but
2: it's Kirby-ish.
0: Play it again one more time.
2: I feel like if you get this, you win.
0: because <laughs> the problem is too that doesn't sound like there's any of the uh Pikachu. Uh, I mean, sorry, the Pokemon names in there either. But could be. I mean, at this point, I'm, I just start rattling off all the different Pokemon <laughs> names, like Jigglypuff. That's it.
2: Or that's or PG, it. It's Jiggly Jigglypuff.
1: Okay, <laughs>
2: nice. okay nice. last one. <laughs> I think that's basically impossible. That's.
0: <laughs> sort of like water attack or something or
2: it's uh Super um, Smash Brothers
0: it is Super Smash Brothers is that like a a squirrel attack or something like
2: that um it's a villain character villain character in Super Smash Brothers a big one physically big
0: okay play that again now I'm just trying to think of all the big villains in the game <laughs>
2: In your defense, I don't really know very much about fighting video games, so I just picked the most random sounds that you could. So I probably picked <laughs> impossible ones or just like in like the sound right. he makes with a step. That is uh Bowser doing the oh, the-, the Koopa slide?
0: Oh wow, okay. I would have never I would because it sounded more like bubbly and watery or something like that. I would have even guessed more something like Ridley, just because of like it sounds more alien. So. <laughs> it
2: does. It's specifically SND SE Koopa Special N zero two.
0: Might be his up B then on the like his grounded up B or something like that. So okay. what, no, I
2: feel like B, I picked one no,
0: side B, side B, grounded side B <laughs> would, is probably what it would be.
2: Okay, last question for me. If there was one person, one fighting, fighting game athlete that we needed to save the world, like they gotta play this game. We've got one round. Who are we putting forward for humanity?
1: Oof.
0: I mean, it would really depend on the game, but if I had to pick one person for all of humanity, can I, can I cop out and have two choices?
2: I guess if the other if one of them could get hurt walking up the stairs so we should probably have a backup.
0: <laughs> Cuz uh my two choices would probably be Sonic Fox and Tokito. Sonic Fox would probably be my number 1 choice because I just think he's the best fighting game player right now out of all of them. But you know, Tokito has had just such a long history of being so strong, but uh You know what? I'll just go with Sonic Fox. That'll be my answer right there.
2: All right, we'll count on Sonic Fox to save the world. What's the next big fighting game coming out? Like, what are you looking forward to?
0: No question, actually, would be the new Guilty Gear game. The new Guilty Gear game I'm super, super hyped for. I cannot wait for that game, because it already looks like the most beautiful fighting game I've ever seen in my entire life. And I love the Guilty Gear series to death, so I'm super excited to see what they have in store for the new Guilty Gear
2: I want to thank James so much for joining us. If you want to connect with him, we've linked to him on our social media accounts. We're profoundly pointless on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. He's really cool to follow on Twitter because he's got this this great insight into the entire video game world. And I think it's really cool. I think it's always interesting to hear what somebody who really is knowledgeable about a subject thinks. We've also linked to him on the RSS feed that's on this podcast. Okay, so now let's go ahead and give John Shaw a call. And usually we set up a time that we're going to talk, but I'm just going to call him unexpectedly and see if he's ready. Hello? Are you ready?
1: Ready. I'm I'm the readiest I've ever been.
2: Do you think that's really true? No, probably not. I I would argue
1: to ask though what is the most ready I've ever been and for what?
2: Yeah. Okay. Answer. the. All right, go ahead. Yeah, let's hear it. What is the most ready? (laughs) What, what thing do you feel like I was, I was completely and totally prepared for that?
1: Probably when you're gearing up for like a a night out and you're like, I'm going to, I'm going to throw back some beers tonight. Like that's where my life is now.
2: I mean, that really doesn't require any preparation. You don't really have to do anything for that.
1: (laughs) That's, That's a really great point. Yeah, there is no preparation, I guess.
2: So basically what you're saying is the most prepared you've ever been in your life is for something that required no preparation whatsoever.
1: I, there's plenty of things that I've had to be prepared for.
2: Okay, what? Name, Name three.
1: Probably the most physically challenging thing I've ever prepared for was my half marathon.
2: Oh, God. That sounds boring. Let's just move on. That's all. <laughs> You're already one of those people. I have to get ready for my marathon and my running and I got to tell everybody about it every time anybody jogs around the block. You asked,
1: you asked me my top three so I was going back
2: through it. I didn't realize you were going to become one of those people. Did you get a fucking bumper sticker and put it back there it says 13.1 you point at it at every stoplight?
1: Uh, on a previous episode I've criticized people who have those bumper stickers and though i would never do this because i'm a coward in a car i always you know picture myself just running into the back end of them
2: i think that those i mean those should be banned we need a law that like why can't people do something and not have to tell everybody about it just go ahead and do it i don't need to know did you for are you gonna forget if you don't have that bumper sticker I mean, but I
1: think you're you're getting into just the way that you know there there was a story that I read because I can read, believe it or not, though at an elementary level, uh, that th- there was this video games world championships and that that was going to do more traffic socially than
2: than what was going to be than what had happened. Here's the problem. Number 1, my wife just texted me and kind of ruined some of the audio of what you said asking me what's the name of the school where our children go. So that's that's a problem on that level. So, let me let hold on one second. Also, the other problem is I don't remember the name of the fucking school either. Hold on hold one in. one second. Let me find this out. Holding do you find it to be problematic that neither my wife nor me even know the name of the school we drop our children off at?
1: I, I don't want to say yes to that uh, because if you if you both had been there for a while, sure. But because you just moved, now if it's like Baker or Brown or, you know, one of those simple names, then probably. But if it's something difficult or hard to remember, then, you know, I
2: get it. I don't know. Okay, I've, we've managed to figure out what the name of the daycare we drop our children off is. We can now re- resume this conversation. What were you talking about besides – all I remember is you bragging about how you ran around at once and everybody had to hear about it and I zoned out. First of all, I
1: don't think I, I, don't think I bragged about it at all.
2: You already – you Aren't just you? brought it up. You brought it up randomly for no reason.
1: No, I didn't. You asked me the three things that I had to prepare the most for in my life and that, that was one of them. So I said it. And you didn't like it, so you immediately turned to making fun of me.
2: Okay, what are the other two things? Uh, I mean, I would definitely say probably,
1: you know, oh man, this is, I, I'm going to sound like a like a real sap here. Uh, you know, probably preparing to be a father. Yeah, that's, although really, what did you,
2: yeah, I mean, you probably painted a room or something. Okay, what's the other
1: one? Something else is probably just something to do with my kid. Probably just, you know, some kind of preparation to make sure that she doesn't, hurt herself or, you know, trying to prepare myself to make her believe that I'm a good father. I don't know.
2: Okay. So since we had a little break there, I just want to sum this up for the audience. Essentially, the most ready you've ever been is for something that requires no preparation. You then managed to brag about how you went on a running race one, and then you brought up something that you prepared for, but you didn't actually remember any way that you prepared for it.
1: What are, What have you been most prepared for?
2: I don't really prepare for things, honestly. I just kind of do them.
1: that's such a cheese ball answer though but you are a cheese ball
2: if you're doing something that's difficult and you want your significant other to notice are you going to start complaining or drawing attention to yourself and how difficult it is halfway through it 90 percent of the way through it or are you going to wait till the very end what are you when are you going to go ahead and hey it's like hey honey this is really difficult notice how much effort i'm putting into this
1: so, I'm actually, I, I'm none of those people, believe it or not. I am, I will secretly get mad. I will just turn into like an asshole. And I'll try to do everything as quick as I can. Even if she was like, even if she did notice, but like if I didn't think that she was like, you know, paying enough of attention, you know, instead of carrying
2: like two boxes that I know I can carry, like I'll try to carry like six. Oh, so you're going to purposely like sabotage yourself in order to get out
1: of it? Well, no, no, no. I mean, I'm just going to try to get it done. Now, for whatever reason, you've made me feel so insignificant or, like, unwanted, even if that's not the case. That's how I perceive it. So now, now I'm just doing it just to get it done. So I'm not caring about, like, say we're moving. Like, I'm not caring about breaking shit. I'm not caring about, you know, scratching up the cars if they're loaded with boxes. I'm not caring about where I put shit, and like, don't talk to me while I'm doing it because I wasn't important enough uh, to talk to in the first place. Don't bother me while I'm doing it now.
2: So you're going to throw a fit, but you're still going to get the job done?
1: Pretty much. I'm going to be a 275-pound kid.
2: Okay. So I moved this weekend, and my strategy was I was just going to power through the whole thing, but then once I'm done... I'm going to be a big baby about it and try to get like – try to get as much attention as possible after I'm done doing it. But not – I won't do anything while I'm doing it. It's only after that I'll kind of be a baby about it.
1: So what what what's like – when you're a baby, What what is like – what does that mean? Like are, are you not making dinner? Are you like are, – are you just sitting in the corner of the room jerking off alone? Like –
2: well, look, here's my basic motivation is I'm trying to prevent – like if I'm going to do something around the house, this going to require a lot of effort, I'm expecting not to be sitting in the corner of the room jerking off alone, right? Like I'm going to expect that, hey, did you notice all this effort? Let's let's reward it. And if that doesn't happen, then I'm a little bit of a baby. Um, Were your calves showing? Were your calves popping? You should see my calves. My calves are pretty impressive. I had to go up a lot of stairs. The calves are probably getting veiny, vascular, vascular as fuck. (laughs) People love a vascular man, let me tell you that. Moving's not very hard. I mean, I actually have a really
1: embarrassing story about moving and sweating. Do you want to hear it? Yeah,
2: of course I want to hear an embarrassing story about you moving and sweating.
1: So when we bought our house, which uh, we're living in currently, we moved like in the middle of the summer, and... I'm not, believe it or not, for me being a big brother, like I'm not that sweat. I don't get that sweaty.
2: I can confirm that. You're not, for your size, you don't sweat as much as you think that he would be sweating. I mean, he's still sweating a lot.
1: It's believe it or not. Um, don't it's bring up cardio. because I ran party. a half marathon. oh. Yeah. I knew you were going to try um, to work that in. Either way, uh, so, I, I mean, I'm sweating, like, I'm moving boxes, and I have help, but, like, I'm still sweating profusely for whatever reason. I mean, it was hot out, but... Like, I'm getting the forearm sweat going, like, I'm, dr- I'm drenching the shirt, like, I gotta put the headband on, because, like, the, it's just dripping. And, of course, there was, like, three boxes of fragile stuff. I'd say that, like, my wife was like, just be really, really careful picking these up. Like, maybe you should have your buddy Mark help carry them, because I trust him more than you kind of think, carry, <laughs> you know,
2: oh, stuff, I you know, know. what course, happened. I know what happened. <laughs> go, ahead. Well, go ahead and continue but I go to
1: pick up the boxes and she, she stops me and goes maybe you shouldn't pick up all three maybe you know you should have people help you and I got mad and I took that offensively and I pick up all three I mean they were pretty heavy there's glass stuff in there some antiques things like that I'm picking them all up I get up into her house and my wife's like you should put those in the basement so now I'm redlining like, now I'm so pissed, I'll throw him down the fucking stairs. I get to the stairs, and I'm it's heavy as hell. And I'm like, all right, all I gotta do is make it down, like, 12 stairs. I kid you not, I get to maybe the sixth stair halfway down. I can feel the box start to, like, hit my, you know, like, run off my forearm because of the sweat. <laughs> and it was, it was just a bad scene. The, the top box, like, caved in because the middle box lit off my... I slid off my forearm, then the bottom box went. It was just this whole big scene. I had a I think only like three things broke. but of course, my wife was more concerned about telling me that I should have had more capable people help me than worrying about anything else. So that was that made for a really like long end to moving.
2: so really, this is essentially your wife's fault because I think for any female listeners we have, you can never tell your significant other that he can't pick something up because he's gonna like, oh bullshit! I can't pick that up, and that that's the fastest way to get that thing broken. If my wife says to me, "You can't pick that up," I'm gonna throw my back out trying to prove that I'm a man. Do you have your segment? What are you doing? You didn't do it. You want to do something different? What's going on?
1: So we're gonna de- we're gonna debut. We're getting rid of the three questions. That one's. That one's history. That one's gone.
2: That was the part that I liked.
1: You like you like that one more than the social media. Yeah,
2: everybody liked that one more than the social media. I thought you were going to get rid of the social media one. You oh, got well, rid of the I mean, one that people liked, and you kept the one that they didn't.
1: Oh so, well, shit! Well, we can we can. I have both prepared. I mean, I it's either it's either one or the other. I I was going to keep the social media, but I have no problem. You know. Keeping the questions I mean they're fun for me to come up with and believe it or not sometimes you give decent answers I don't know
2: well here's my question yeah keep that one and get rid of the, I, I thought you were just going to do the one social media thing and then you kept going on for like an hour and a half every time about it
1: because <laughs> I'm a man of the people I appreciate people taking time out of their life and I know you do too to go to professionalpodcastsolutions.com as well. And, and you know, just try to support us, you know?
2: Okay, let's hear your three questions. That's what I'm interested in.
1: Peanut butter and jelly or a grilled cheese?
2: Peanut butter and jelly.
1: I'm, I'm right there with you. I, I don't I don't buy into it that you can make more things, like have more combos with the grilled cheese. You can do a lot with a peanut butter and jelly.
2: I want to meet the person that can say, like, oh, okay, I can tell that there's two slices of Munster – And one slice of cheddar on this grilled cheese. Like, you can't tell that, all right? Don't give me that bullshit. (laughs) That's just straight horse shit. That's just straight horse shit that you're going to tell me. You're going to be able to eat a grilled cheese and tell me how many different kinds of cheese are in there. I I call bullshit (laughs) on that.
1: (laughs) That's actually a great answer. Um, All right. uh, Donut or apple cider in the fall?
2: What? Why? Why? What? Donut?
1: Yeah, either a donut or apple cider. You can't have both. You what
2: have does that have one? to do with the fall, though? I mean, I understand the apple cider is about the fall, but what you, you is there something in Michigan you only get donuts in the fall?
1: First off, you're not supposed to be able to talk back, but I, I think people, uh, especially in, in the northern states, and, and you're in Seattle, so maybe you'll, you'll come to understand
2: this because you're going to have snow now. For five months out of the year, but uh, that's not true. Seattle know. actually doesn't get much snow.
1: Oh well, whatever. Uh, you chose to move there. Um, yeah, to avoid way, the snow. Uh, donuts are like like a full like you go to a cider mill and you get donuts and cider.
2: Never heard of this.
1: Oh well, I can tell you that is just you because it's a pretty popular thing here in the fall.
2: I'm pretty sure it's not. It's just an excuse for you to go eat donuts. <laughs>
1: I'm going to I'm going to have so, somebody will back me up that that will have much more credibility than me. I can tell you that right away.
2: Okay. I just don't I still, I've never heard of this. So I'm just going to go with donuts cuz that's a year-round thing. I don't know what you're doing <laughs> that you think that donuts are only eaten in the fall.
1: <laughs> First off, just so everyone listening understands, it's not what I'm saying. All I'm saying is in the fall in the northeast, I presume Elsewhere where it gets cold, uh, the the cider mills and orchards and things, when you go, you get donuts and and cider.
2: See, but that – okay, this is where I'm starting to pick up on what's going on here. What's happening is it just so happens that in the fall, that's when people start to go to cider mills because that's when the apples come out. They're making donuts all year round. It has nothing to do with the donuts. It has everything to do with people just now at that time going to the cider places. That's the only difference. The donuts are year-round. The cider is what's in the fall. That's what
1: I just said. That's why people go to these places is to get donuts and cider.
2: But they're not going for the donuts. They can get donuts anytime, anywhere. They're going for the cider, and there just happens to be donuts.
1: I'm only going to agree with you to get you to shut up, but I don't agree with you. So it came out that they're going to be remaking. Have you ever seen a never-ending story?
2: Yeah, dude. I'm a fucking live. I'm alive, all right. Of course, everybody's seen Never Unders- Ending Story.
1: Will you buy a ticket to go see the remake? No. Get it uh, on. That's about the only thing we've agreed upon so far.
2: I'll wait for it to come right. out on Netflix, like every other normal person.
1: I'm. Uh, I mean, I'm not. I mean, I, I guess I'm there. I can't even tell you the last movie I saw in the theater. Oh, you know what? Probably. Probably the last Fast and the Furious that came
2: out. <laughs> I knew it was going to be something shitty. <laughs> All right, give one social media shout-out to one person.
1: Man, that's tough, because we had we had a couple of good, like, we had a couple of good, like, do you want Facebook, Twitter?
2: I want you to do what I thought we were originally going to do in the first place, which was you're going to pick one person who did the best and give them a shout-out.
1: Well, I mean, okay, fine. So... Uh, on Facebook, you did the poll about the cereal, uh, you know, yet again, what you beat me, was just, I, I don't understand that at all, but uh,
2: I, I, I'm giving, I'm giving the, the best one to my wife this week. Oh, that doesn't count. We're not, I'm going to edit it out if you even say it.
1: Fine. That's fine. Um, then we'll give it to Dave. Dave's is good as well, uh, where he says that uh, in response to our top five lists of this, of the cereal. He says you guys would be my number one and worst lists. I can't decide which list I like less this week, but I guess I'll go with Knicks.
2: Okay, all right. So basically, you pick somebody that voted for you. Uh, that's what this essentially <laughs> came down to. And before that, you then tried to put in your wife because you. Let's see. I mean, look. Come on. Are, are you ready? I'm actually excited about this week's top five. <sighs>
1: I am too. I think it's pretty easy though. So let's, let's get to it.
2: I don't think it is easy. I think it actually requires, I mean, the top, the, 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 top ones are pretty easy, but it's as you go down. So what we're doing is top five days of the week. So really we're only ruling out two days, but still, what's your number five?
1: Uh, Sundays.
2: What? You're going to put <laughs> Sunday at number five? How are you putting yeah, Sunday in number 5? That's the Super Bowl. That's WrestleMania. That's football. <laughs> That's number
1: 5. So, so you, you take away the 10 events a year, even not even 10, maybe like 5 events a year. And it's it's football, but football is only on, you know, football Sundays. It's only on for uh what, 5 months out of the year. Other than that, all Sunday is Is like you know you're sitting there and it's like four o'clock on Sunday and you're like oh shit twelve hours or sixteen hours or till I have to go to work all Sunday is is a countdown till Monday.
2: I would I would agree with that but I also feel like if you hate Sundays it really just means you hate your job. (laughs) I I, really hate your job.
1: I don't know if I would say that Um, and I'm sure all the church going folk you know our church going listenership. Is probably hating this right now that I put Sunday at number five. But, why don't
2: uh, you? Why don't you just basically tell Jesus he doesn't mean anything?
1: <laughs> you know, Jesus. You know, I picture my Jesus in a tuxedo T-shirt. So
2: I have Sunday at number three. I agree with you what you're saying in the sense that, like, you can't. I would put Sun if you could divide it up into Sunday morning. I would put Sunday morning as the best time of the week, right? I like Sunday morning, but Sunday afternoon. It does ruin the day where you can't put it any higher. So for me, Sunday is number three. How much are you breathing into the phone right now?
1: I just burped a little, so that could be it.
2: I would say my number five is Wednesday.
1: Uh, I mean, that's fair. Middle of the week, uh, you know, hump day.
2: See, but I've never understood that because hump day means, oh, you're halfway done. It also only means you're halfway done at the same time. So I don't see like – I don't – as you continue to brag about the race, I don't see halfway through the race as being that great of a thing, right? That means you still have halfway left to go. Being
1: halfway through the work week is like, yeah, you know, like gives you rejuvenation to to get to Thursday and then you're to Friday.
2: Okay. What's your number four?
1: Uh, Mondays.
2: Ooh, that's my number four too. I have Mondays <laughs> number four.
1: I, and it might not be, a—I mean, it's your number four, obviously, but it might not be a popular uh, choice. But Mondays have always been, you know, Monday Night Raw, football. Uh, it's, you know, it's the day to kind of get the week started, obviously. And I, I have no problem with Mondays. I, I've always kind of liked Mondays.
2: Yeah, I don't think that really, I think that we would be surprised that most people probably don't have an issue with Monday. I think it's just like a thing that people say, like, oh, Monday, I hate it. But in reality, Mondays like a day to reset yourself and get going. I, I don't mind Mondays. I think a lot of people would actually have Mondays in their top five.
1: Yeah, I, I, I don't. I don't disagree with that whatsoever. Um, my number three is I have Thursdays.
2: I don't, I don't. Thursday didn't make my list. I don't. I'm not a fan of Thursdays, really.
1: Uh, I mean, Thursdays are are uh, you know they're good nights to go out and be social. Uh, you know, you go to bed, you wake up. It's Friday, and if you work a regular work week, that obviously means you know you have the weekend right around the corner. Thursdays or so just have always been kind of a chill kind of day for me. Like it's you know it's a very it's a very good day going into Friday usually.
2: I always feel like Thursday ends up being a pretty active day because everybody tries to do something that day because they know that nobody's paying attention on Friday. So I always feel like Thursday ends up kind of getting front-loaded a little bit. I don't like that.
1: I don't disagree with that, but, you know, Thursdays are just, it's just a good day. I don't know how else to say it. It's just, you're you're heading into Friday, and then it's the weekend.
2: Okay, what's your number two?
1: Uh, So my number two
2: is Friday. Oh, my number two is Friday as well. (laughs) Uh, I think that's pretty obvious. I think that makes it pretty obvious what our number one is.
1: Tuesdays.
2: That's not on my list.
1: <laughs> no, obviously number one is Saturday.
2: Yeah, I mean Saturday is kind of the funnest day, right? You've still got one day left of the weekend. It's the party day. You can kind of, yeah, you, you can. That's that's like your freebie day. You can do whatever the fuck you want.
1: It allows yeah, you, you to go hard up, on Friday, late, you know. Can do some booger sugar, not have to worry about you know it affecting you the next day. All kinds of stuff. What booger sugar? <laughs>
2: Oh, I just figured out what booger sugar is. That's a great name to do. that's the best way I've ever heard of something referred to as booger sugar. We can't do honorable mention. There's only two other fucking days of the week. What do you what do you feel like is the worst day of the week? Uh you know,
1: for me it, it's actually Wednesday.
2: Okay, I w- mine is Tuesday. I hate Tuesdays.
1: Wednesday for me is, and it's, you kind of touched on it, but not really. It's just like, Wednesday to me isn't like a thing to be celebrated. It's like, you still have two more days after. You know, and Wednesdays are usually like the longest day, uh, I think, for uh, for a lot of people. Just because it's in the middle of the week. And you have a lot, lot more things to do, usually on your plate, this and that.
2: Wait, I thought you had Wednesday in your top five. What was your number five? Sunday. Oh, that's right. That was on my top five. I forgot. Okay, that's going to go ahead and do it for this episode of the Profoundly Pointless podcast. I want to thank you guys so much for listening. If you get a chance, like, download, subscribe, share. I think it's going to be really hard, really difficult to beat Saturday as the best day of the week. But if you guys have some different opinions, we'd love to hear them. Coming up on the next couple of episodes... It's October, man. It's Halloween. We've... I can't wait to talk to some of the people that we've got on. That, that's all I'm going to say at this point. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s.